We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, folks, what's good? We are back. The uh, We're back again. We came for a quick little live reaction and uh, an all-time moment, uh, a car struck a telephone pole outside my house and we lost power in my house as KU had just made the final four. The celebration was on. It was quite literally the worst timing of wow. all time. Could have but happened with like eight minutes left. Yeah, it could have. Oh yeah. Could have been. Yeah, that would have been bad news. Bears, down but. six at half and we lose power and scrambling to figure out what to do, but doesn't matter. We are back. The Hawks are headed to the final four in what, I mean, one of the more exciting halves of basketball I can remember as a Kansas fan. Like, legitimately, one of the all-time pumpings when you consider, I mean, it, we said it a little bit earlier on that live stream, but like, A.B., tensions were, like, nerves were high. We were down six at half. Uh, things were not going well. We hadn't made a three. We were clanking free throws. Oach was kind of disappearing. C.B. was refusing to shoot um and we're down six heading into the half uh what were you feeling i mean we were all watching with friends and the energy in my basement was very there was some nervous energy like how how concerned were you after the first half i think it was natural to feel concerned just in general and i don't know if it was based on how the game was going or how the history of elite eights with bill self has been uh for more than half the time i guess now but, yeah, tensions were – I mean, they were very high. We weren't really talking too much. We were kind of just nervously on our phones and walking around, playing with your exercise balls down there and just <laughs> hoping that they would heat up, trying to spin it in any positive way we could. But, yeah, that final eight minutes of the first half was just a disaster, really. I yeah. Mean, Miami kind of took control, and it, we – I mean, we knew we were the better team, but we didn't have visual proof in that game specifically to have a feeling that we are going to turn it on and do what we did in the second half, so – very nervous, and like you said, tensions were sky high in that moment. Yeah, and I mean, it, it didn't help that not only did we play bad that first half, but we were coming off really four straight halves of bad basketball. I mean, we it's crazy to say we made the Final Four, but against Creighton, we never really got going. We never felt like we were playing our game. Against Providence, we were just – offense was – we guarded, but our offense was struggling, and so – you get to that first half of Miami and you're all of a sudden like, well, we're running out of time. Like we keep saying, Oh, is going to get it going. CB's going to get it going. And now we're 20 minutes away from those guys careers being over. Like I literally tweeted, I really hope 
this is not how those guys go out because they don't deserve to go out with, I don't know, Oach had, I mean, I think he had six at five at half or something, but like he just was not involved in the game, was not doing Oach things. So it was it was terrifying because we we've seen the story before. Yeah, it was a mix definitely of we've been scarred by VCU 11 years to the day. Uh, we've been scarred by Oregon. We've been scarred in all sorts of Villanova in 16. Like we've just seen teams come out and play completely flat in Elite Eight games. So to see us down six and really, you know, your big fears were Miami's guard play, right? Like that was the thing we were scared of. McGusty's hitting contested mid-range jumpers. Now, the the other concerning thing that kind of had me worried was Charlie Moore got in foul trouble and they still built a six-point lead. But yeah, it's it's crazy what this fan base has been through when it comes to upsets to the fact that like a six-point lead felt humongous to me because uh, it's just we, we're so used to this. But I said, I said, there's nothing more I want than like a 6-0 run in a quick timeout. And I don't know what do we get it? 35-34? Is that how we yeah. came out? I know Dave had a couple buckets. I can't remember exactly how it turned out, but I remember there was a point where I think it was 35-34, and then Miami immediately made it 40-35. to Yeah. And because I remember you made a comment. I think Oach had a really bad turnover mm-hmm. uh, where it was just like a lazy pass to start a possession, and they went down. Charlie Moore got fouled, kind of got hurt a little bit, but um, yeah. he missed that second free throw, kept it at five, and after that it was on. Okay, you just, yep. I mean, steam. So, yeah, I mean, the, the swing, the biggest part of the game was absolutely, it's 40 38. We force a steal. I think Dewan or Oach hits CB in transition for a dunk. It's 40 to 40. Uh, we play good defense. We get a stop. We come down. We run offense. And the whole first half, the Twitter, if you were following Twitter, it was, why is CB passing on open threes? Why won't this guy shoot? He's a good shooter. We need him to shoot these shots. And he wouldn't do it. And it was scary because you're like, is this a nerves thing? Is this guy scared to shoot right now? He finally just let one fly early in the shot clock. Goes in, place went bananas. And we talked yesterday about whether or not KU's crowd was going to show up, whether or not the crowd had been good these last few weeks. It absolutely showed up today. That was a straight-up home game for the Hawks. And so that's where you love CB. I think after CB made the shot, you said something like, I want every angle of CB after that. Because he, he just goes bananas. But that's great, right? Like, he's he's a psycho. <laughs> that's exactly what I wanted to see. And we've seen it a few times throughout the year from whether it be CB or Remy the past few weeks. But when guys just go nuts and then you can just tell how into it they are. Dave had a moment later on in the game. I mean, these guys were, you could tell how pumped they were once that lead started to build and they could kind of, you know, feel what they were about ready to do and accomplish. And um, that's the kind of stuff I love to see, just the raw emotion on the floor. And, you know, it's cool to see them play well, but to react like that, it's it's dope. Yeah, so CB gets us up 43-40, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I do not think we looked back. I mean, from there, I think Dave got that and one. Uh, where you were, what you were talking about, where he just stomps down the sidelines to the to the bench and just going bananas. Like, yeah, it the the flip had switched to where that team, if they were tied at all, it it's it's flipped to where they just knew they were winning the game. Like they just knew, wow, we're a lot better than these guys. We started playing fast. We were getting out in transition. Um, one of the all time plays so far of the tournament, I think, is the one where Oach. 
We're in the middle of the run, and Oates is on a fast break. Misses the layup. Kind of a weird footing. He was going a little too fast as he caught it to put it up. Misses the layup. Jalen, like, I rewatched the play, and it was obviously great on Oates, but Jalen gets an incredible rebound, and then Oates just pops out from the crowd back into the corner, wide open for three, splash, uh, and the route was just on. Like, everything was going right. And I think I said to you guys before the game, I said, how nice would it be to just sit back and cruise in a Final Four game or an Elite Eight game? A game that gets you the Final Four. It feels like you think back to Davidson. That game, you're sick to your stomach the entire time. You're waiting for Steph Curry to get going. We looked disgusting on offense that game. You think back to North Carolina, that game came down to the final minutes. And then obviously Duke in 2018 is the tightest basketball game you could possibly see to the point where Grayson Allen's ball was twirling on the rim. But I said that and it just didn't seem possible. You're down six and a half. And to just see that 20 minutes of the second half to outscore them 47 to 15 and just see everything go our way. I mean, is that is that as an enjoyable of a tournament game that you can remember in a while from a just standpoint of rela- relaxing the second half and just having fun watching what this team's become? The only one that came to mind as we were talking about it just the past half hour or so, but the 47 to 15 number reminds me of like North Carolina in the final yeah. four. But then but, even that game got to a single – was it a one-point game or a four-point? It was something crazy yeah, close in the second it, half. I think it got down to four or something crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, and we, we stressed. Ended up pulling away, but, I mean, just in terms of most dominant halves of basketball we've seen, 42 to 12, I mean, 47 to 15 is a bigger spread than that. And, yeah. I mean, not as big of a game because it's an Elite Eight compared to a Final Four. But it, uh, to get more to your point, yeah, it, it felt nice to, you know, be able to hop on the live stream with four minutes left and – not really worry about missing anything too much except a possible walk on three or J. Yeah. Cole finally hitting a shot and, you know, not really mattering. But um, yeah, yeah it's, it's always good to just comfortably roll in a game this big <laughs> and just, you know, maybe dampers down the celebration a little bit just because you kind of expect it to happen for half an hour or so going into it. But it, uh, yeah, very nice to sit back and relax. For sure. So I want to touch on a few things that kind of stood out to me in that second half was obviously the offense just turned on like we got going we've said all year we're a top 10 offense shots will start to fall ochai hit a big one cb hit a big one remy hit a big one which we haven't got it i mean remy's just so awesome didn't even put up big numbers today but that guy's just awesome just the energy he plays with he just makes you happy but thing i thought that was interesting was we switched bill got asked after the game like what did we do different with mcgusty mcgusty was the one killing us in the first half mid-range jumpers, threes. He was on the main reason they were up six. We switched them to Dewan, and we put Dewan on him, and Dewan locked him up. And, like, to me, that was just a perfect – it sums up what we've been saying all year. Like, we've been pretty – we've wanted Remy to do well, and it's worked out. But we've also said, like, you still need the things Dewan brings to the table to go to, like, make a run because we didn't really have that many elite defenders. The defense has kind of been this team's – biggest struggle so to see Dewan just step up and totally put the clamps on Mcgusty in the second half and just take it over from that standpoint was huge and then you still got Remy doing his thing I think they combined for 14 together it's nothing huge but to see Remy bring what he brings we're in the middle of a run he makes a big three to extend it and he's just you know constantly getting the crowd going and then to see Dewan do it on the other end with the defense it's like this is why it it wasn't the answer was never Sit Dewan and play Remy. 
35, 40 minutes? The answer has always been they both do really good things. Let's just let's make sure we get that out of them. So, like, how how you feel going into the Final Four now that it's very clear Remy's a factor. He's our maybe our best player right now. But also, like, Dewan kind of snuck back in there and was like, hey, don't forget about me, guys. Like, I'm pretty freaking good. It feels great because it's like we've talked for years now whether it be on the podcast, on Twitter, whatever, the best built teams have two point guards or two ball handlers that can be on the court at the same time. And we're starting to see that more and more as the season goes on. But even more, if we want to go five guards at times, because Jalen's a good enough rebounder to not kill us, yeah. like we can have both those guys on the court. Dave's a little right. bit banged up. Mitch is banged up. Give those guys a breather. I think Dave only played like 18 minutes today. Yeah, at 15 points. I mean, might have been the best player on the floor yeah. for like when in his time. So if we can get away with not having to play our two banged up bigs who give us, you know, plenty of production when they're on the court and they're not completely off their game, but also feel comfortable having two point guards in your stretch four, being able to rebound and kind of compete downstairs. Yeah. It's, it just opens up so many possibilities for, you know, a creative coach like Bill to kind of do more things and feel more comfortable in certain ways. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, you said it about Jalen, like, would you believe me if I said, let's see Jalen today, I think he had five points, but he was one of eight from the floor. Oh, of four from three. But like the thing I love about Jalen is would you have ever watched this game and thought, oh, that guy didn't play good? Like he still just was getting those offensive rebounds that led to a three in the corner from Oach, was still getting boards, battling every time, playing really good defense on all the switching we had to do. So like I was shocked to look at that stat line and see that Jalen did not have that good of a game because that dude, I felt like, played his ass off the whole game. So mm-hmm. I love Jalen. I kind of – I said, like, and I don't know how accurate this is, but I've kind of said these last few weeks it feels like he's the key to how far we can go. Um, and he obviously was really good in Sweet 16 and the second round. So it's it's nice to see him just continue to do what he does. But, yeah. We got to talk about Dave. I mean, Dave has been the most polarizing Kansas big that I can remember. I've seen like my my dad and people compare it to like the Eric Chenoweth uh, situation where Chenoweth played a ton and people couldn't, they would get so frustrated with him. But David McCormick won us a Big 12 title, regular season title by playing so well against Texas at Allen Fieldhouse and now just won us a, helped win us an Elite Eight game um against a team where people thought Dave wasn't gonna be able to play very much because of how good this guy can stretch the floor I don't even know how to say his last name but he was awful and Dave just I mean, fouled him out of the game and we cruised partly because of that so how hilarious is it to think when you look back on the Dave McCormick saga and storyline of being a Kansas Jayhawk that he in probably his two biggest games was phenomenal like that's just incredible to me it just it fits his storyline so perfectly that he's he's just been inconsistent for so long. But when he's on, you've said it before on the pod, he's one of the best bigs in the country. Yeah. And I mean, if that looking at our other options, if that's our fourth or fifth like best player, I mean, first of all, that the ceiling of that team is just insanely high. But you just you hope you get that Dave more than you get the Dave that fumbles every pass he gets to him or dribbles it off a shoe, um, yeah. which we get a little too often, but He's yeah. got the potential. All he, all he needs to do at this point is just string together two more good games. If he can string together two more good games, no, no one's going to remember 
how much of a spaz he was for the first three years, three and a half years, the inconsistencies, because people just remember the big moments. So, like I said, just string two more together, and, I mean, he'll be a legend here forever. Yeah, and that's the best part of the tournament is all it takes is a few good weeks, and you can completely change the way you were viewed. Um, But, yeah, I mean, Dave was obviously awesome, but even in the first half, I thought Mitch was our best player. Like, I felt like he was getting – big rebounds and just kind of battling with their bigs as we were just, ugh, it was, we were just kind of out of it. It felt like, but yeah, you could tell from the jump, Dave, uh, I think he made his first two shots and like that. See, that's always a calming thing for me when you see Dave come out and do something good early, because it feels like if Dave doesn't start hot or good, he struggles the rest of the game. But if he comes out, like I feel like confidence is so big for him. And that man we've joked for years, he's the most confident dude in the world. If things are starting to fall, he's never seen a shot he didn't want to take. So I mean, that side came out today too. That <laughs> shot he hit in the second half, I think yeah. he hit he had hit like a, I think he had a dunk on a fast break that almost, almost missed. missed. He almost got yeah. stuffed by the rim, and then I think he had the end one where he went crazy, and then he had that like weird like middle of the lane turnaround kind of floating jump off shot. like one foot, like he was yeah. dirt. It was like through contested. four dudes. And we all looked at each other in the room. I don't even know if we realized it went in because we were so shocked that what the hell are you doing? <laughs> and it went in. It was one of the worst attempted shots I've ever seen in my life, but it worked. And when he's on, he's on. And like you said, he's the most confident person in the gym when he hits a few. So, yeah. And it was like kind of what I said earlier. It was like everything was working for us that second half. Like it was just the most fun half of basketball I've, I can remember a Kansas team playing in a long time. Uh, all right, I want to talk. I don't know. Do you have any other like major takes from the Miami game itself, or do you want to kind of look ahead a little bit to the Final Four, the rest of the tournament, things we've seen? I don't know. Any other any other takes from the Miami game? This might be a small Remy take, but I was kind of encouraged to see him. Um, I feel like in the first half he missed his first two or three shots and didn't look comfortable, and I was kind of having that fear flash before my eyes. We kind of talked about it yesterday, like – what if Remy has a bad game and no one else steps up? And I was kind of yeah. thinking, oh, my God, this is the game that's going to happen. Because, of course, why wouldn't it in the Elite Eight? Yeah. But it kind of felt like he kept attacking. He kept shooting. He kept going at it. He hit a few. And he only had nine points, like we mentioned before. But just staying aggressive. I, we've seen guys that, whether they don't play a whole lot all season or they feel like they have a short leash with Bill, they just stop trying. Yeah. And it just, I don't know, it's its a small thing, but seeing him stay aggressive and kind of stay engaged and it, it just felt good because we're going to need him next weekend if we want to, you know, get to where we want to be. So I'm, I'm glad he didn't check out or lose all his confidence in the world. And I mean, yeah. he's got plenty of confidence. We've seen it for five years now, but I, uh, I threw this tweet up from our pod, I think, and it was a video that NCAA March Madness put out and it's, it's Remy taking the regional trophy the NCAA trophy, handing it over to Bill Self to lift in the air. And it's just like, I cannot believe three weeks ago, this guy played walk-on minutes in senior night at Texas. Like that dude started the game, played seven minutes and never played again. And now he's, he's the main face. Like he's the face of this KU final four run. And I think Malik in 2018 was crazy because Malik put up, like, obviously the Duke game was just outrageous what Malik did. Truly legendary stuff, but we've said it. The guy started all season. He was a key contributor to that team. 
Remy Martin going from non-existent player to superstar in the NCAA tournaments, like I think one of the funnest, most memorable storylines that I will tell everyone. Like when I'm a grandpa one day and my kids are like, tell me about the 2022 Kansas. They wouldn't be talking like that. I'd be saying, let me tell you about the 2022 Kansas Jayhawks. And it's like, it's going to start with Remy. It's going to be like, so a man named Remy was absolutely trash the whole year. Got hurt. Things didn't work out. And just to see it all come together and to see him be the hero, it's truly like straight out of a movie. So, yes, to go back on what you were saying, to see Remy stay aggressive and not – because it could have probably been easy for him to be like, oh, no, things aren't going well again. Maybe I should just relax so Bill doesn't hate me. But Mm -hmm. he didn't. He kept – he was himself. Let Remy be Remy. We've kind of joked about that. And – it worked out, and without Remy, there's a 0% chance this team's going to the Final Four. So, it's awesome. But we need him for next week because we've got Colin Gillespie, one of those <sighs> just classic Villanova. I mean, we joke a lot about Duke having those just annoying white guys, but Villanova. To a T. There's an, another Archie Diacono on the roster. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? Yeah, um, well, I saw that. I didn't know that until yesterday. Because when I'm sure we'll get to it, whether it's today or later in the week, but when Justin Moore went down, I was kind of looking at how many guys they play. Yeah. And they only played really six dudes and Archie Diacono had played like a minute in that game. And I saw that name and I almost just, the memories that came back into my head were haunting. Yeah. So um, it's crazy. I mean, they just don't stop coming. His parents probably didn't either. Um, But it's like, it's, they just got to stop. I just, I wonder how many more there are because it's almost like the Zellers at this point. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. I mean, it. I I guess when it comes to just like the storylines of this Final Four, is this? I mean, imagine KU Villanova being a game that like no one cares about. Like, I think in, I want you to kind of expand on that take that. You said in our group chat earlier, like you kind of love that we are the only one seed left, and yet we're getting we're gonna get no. I don't know. Expand on that take you had. Yeah, so it's not even that we haven't been getting any press, or that we won't get any press coming into this week. We haven't been getting press really at all. I feel like I feel like we've been so under the radar, and not in like a underdog way, because we've been you know this weekend we've kind of been bouncing back and forth between the favorite to win it all or the second favorite to win it all. Um, and people have been choosing us to go to the final four and everything, but it just feels like no one's talking about whether it was our region, just not being the most exciting or us not really having like a super, super star, like showing out or not having a coach that's going on a retirement tour, but, um, that's going to be the same way in new Orleans. I would guess 95% of the media talk is going to be surrounded by either the coach K retirement or, Duke versus North Carolina rivalry in the final four. And yeah. we're going to be on the back burner. And that's 1000% fine with me because those kids are going to get tight and whoever wins that game, especially if it's Duke going into Monday. I mean, we talked about the pressure that coach K we would like to blame him, but ESPN, all the people above were putting on those 18, 19 year olds for K's last home game. Imagine that going into a national championship game. Yeah, like it, it, just feed them all the media attention, all the pressure in the world, and let us sit back and just make it feel more like a normal basketball game, even though we really know that it's it's bigger than that. Um, yep. 
So. I mean, and it's, it's wild because, yeah, Duke, North Carolina, which deservedly so, they've never met in the tournament, which yeah, is for crazy. Sure. And the Coach K storyline, like, hate on Duke all you want. I hate the guy. I was, like, literally triggered how bad Arkansas was last night. But <laughs> the fact that he got to the Final Four is, like, a power move. Like, it's pretty sweet that he did that. If, if I were Coach K, I would be, like, on Twitter – tweeting at guys like me being like suck it you freaking loser but the fact that you he's imagine in the that popping up on your phone a I reply be... tweet from mike shashevsky suck yeah. it loser yeah i listen to the pod i hate you guys but uh yeah i mean them playing north carolina like that is a huge storyline and i am very excited to watch that game but you look at the other side and ku villanova is a big storyline too i mean I saw our fan base last night when Houston lost, and it was like, oh, my God, we play Villanova again. I don't know about you. I want it. Like, I, I've said kind of from the jump, I wanted Villanova more than I wanted Houston. The revenge factor, that's not even really why I wanted it, but I do want it for the revenge factor. Like, that's a great storyline. Jay Wright, and I've said this before, I think Bill kind of solidified it. I think now that Coach K is out after the season, the top two coaches in the country – are Jay Wright and Bill Self, and I don't really know how you can argue against that. They both did it this year. I don't care that Izzo has more Final Fours, and Mark Few, PU. Get him out of here. here. Yeah, I mean, we got to get Jay Billis on the pod. I'm serious to talk about that, because Bill being six is crazy, so that list is officially over. But like now on the other side, you've got the top two coaches in college basketball and two teams that met in 2018 – and you've got big names, guys that have been around college basketball forever, Gillespie, Abaji, Lightfoot. Like, it's just – for a true college basketball fan, I think the Villanova-KU game would be a great headliner, big-time storyline. Like, what? Like if the other side of the bracket would have been Arkansas-Purdue. Like, you know what I mean? You're still fine with a with a Final Four that's Arkansas, Purdue, KU, Villanova because now you've got KU, Villanova leading the story. Like, it's a big, it's still two big brands clashing in a Final Four rematch. And now that's your, like, that's your second best, that's your by far least biggest storyline. So I just think it's going to be in, I think it's the best. I wanted to throw this question out to you. Is this the best Final Four since 08? I think there's one other one I'd consider, but yeah, are you thinking 15? Yeah, yeah, I saw Rothstein tweet that too. I no, I didn't see that. I mean, if we're talking brand wise, this is probably better than 15. But the Kentucky what was that? So that was Kentucky, Duke, Wisconsin, Michigan State. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, Wisconsin probably lightens that a little bit, but then they had the story of actually going and beating Kentucky and yeah. Kentucky team was undefeated and Duke had the sick recruiting class. And uh, I mean, that's, that was an amazing final four, but even to compare this one to that one, I mean, it just kind of shows you how good of a final four it really is. The TV companies couldn't be happier. Is it going to be the most watched final four ever? Duke Carolina, in the final four coach K's last game. That might yeah. be the highest rated basketball game of all time. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. KU Villanova, a little appetizer for the biggest, the biggest. Yeah, it will be the most watched college basketball game of all time. You got speaking of like ticket prices, good. What's a get-in price going to be for that? I haven't even checked. I've been too scared to check. I I don't know. We we have no clue what what that's going to look like. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm so excited for the Final Four. I really like. I want to watch Duke and UNC and care a ton. And so I want to throw this question out to you. Before we started, we wanted Duke gone. We wanted them to lose to Cal Fullerton. We wanted them to lose to Michigan State. We wanted them to lose to Arkansas, Texas Tech. Now that they've made the Final Four, the Coach K farewell tour has worked out. He's no doubt leaving, flexing his muscles. It doesn't matter if they lose. So, like, to me, the only way for me to feel good about this farewell tour ending is for us to be the ones to end it. So, like, I don't know if I can bring myself to do this, but is there any way we can we should cheer for Duke on Saturday, or is it is it insane if we beat Villanova? Should we be all in on playing Carolina? I I don't know. I mean, Carolina is as hot as anybody, I but know. I do think Duke's probably the better team. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess we'll find out. But I. If I knew we were going to win, obviously I would want to play Duke because beating K to end his career would be like the greatest thing ever, especially for you. I'd be more happy for you that that was the scenario than just a national championship. But if yeah. if that were to happen, if K were to beat Duke and Coach K in the championship, wouldn't that be such like a beautiful passing of the torch moment to the greatest active coach right now? Or right now? Yeah, it would be, and that's like. <sighs> It would be pretty funny for North Carolina to beat them in the last home game and then beat them in the final four. So, well, you said that he would. I thought about this driving home. A lot of things were going through my brain on that drive home from Speaker today. If if Carolina beats Duke in the final four, we're getting that Twitter alert on April 15th that says Coach K is coming back, right? I mean, he can't have his last game at home be ruined by Carolina beating them by 20. He can't have his last game ever be in the final four against Carolina and lose to them. Like, Obviously, he's it's not going to change his legacy completely, but he's going to have such a sour taste in his mouth that his arch rival and a first year head coach and Hubert Davis went in and like stole that all from him. Like he's and we know how he is. They say it's all about the kids. I've already seen Final Four graphics that have Colin Gillespie, 
uh, Baycott or uh, what's his Brady Manic, yeah. one of them, yeah. and Ochai on it, and then it's Coach K for Duke. But it's all about the kids. I'm not yeah. saying he made it, but you know he's loving that. Oh so, yeah, like, I. It wouldn't surprise me, and we just saw Brady do it in football. But if 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 I don't think he would do it if he lost to the Hawks in the finals or something like that, or Villanova for what it's worth. But if That's Carolina true. and his two biggest like games, I guess of not his career maybe, but like definitely of his retirement tour. Biggest storyline games of his yeah, career. It maybe. might might change his mind a little bit. Yeah. It, so maybe I should go back on what I said, the farewell tour. If he didn't have North Carolina waiting for him, if that's Kentucky down there, even that would if it's Purdue down there mm-hmm. and Purdue ends it, it's like, okay, they made the final four. They overcame the loss to North Carolina. They made a great run. They just weren't better than that team on the other side. But now you're right. I mean, you lose your final two big games of the year to North Carolina in the Final Four in New Orleans on that stage, that'd be bad. And I do think he'd consider coming back. If you were John Shire, are you secretly hoping Coach K – like, I know you don't want your team to lose, but, like, John Shire, if Duke wins it all, that man is walking into a buzzsaw of expectations. Because if he has even remotely any – bad season next year and by bad season i mean if they get like a four or five seed that fan base is gonna hate him right because they're gonna Maybe, be like, did it in his last year aren't they gonna say that anyways i mean duke's like one of those programs they're gonna have crazy expectations regardless That's true. Um, i would almost think expectations would drop a little bit if they won a title because i mean we saw in 09 you won a title and then you kind of expect like a rebound year like no one repeats as champs it's it eases the palate enough of the fans to like under be more understanding of a, um, you know, a, not an awful year, but get a four, five, six seed and maybe losing the second or Sweet Sixteen second round, something like that. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it almost take pressure off because if if they lose in this round, then all the fans are going to have the same bitter taste that Coach K would have that Carolina got the best of them twice, and they'll be going into next year trying to build off of not to say failure because they got to the Final Four, but not yeah. going as far as they would have hoped. Yep. Uh, so I want to throw this out there. And me and you talked about this. And I think, you know, when you look back at our last two Final Four runs before this, 2012, it was a big time. We're happy to be here, right? That team, two seed, uh, had, had lost in the Big 12 tournament. It wasn't the deepest team. wasn't the most talented team. We made it. We were pumped. Um, but you had Kentucky and Anthony Davis sitting on the other side, and you knew even if we if we make that game, like we are going to be big dogs, and it's just it was a daunting task to beat Kentucky. Um, Twenty eighteen, same thing. You get there, you beat Duke, but all of a sudden you're like, holy smokes, Villanova's a different animal. Like Villanova wasn't the number one overall seed, but that team was the best team in the country, and it was pretty clear most of the year. But now. We're here, and I think we're the best team left. Like, I'm pretty confident if you just look at the whole season and you even look at what we just did in that second half, I think we showed we have a gear that I'm not sure any of the – maybe, I mean, honestly, North Carolina might have that type of gear. And Duke's been great in the final minutes of games. But to watch us do that for 20 minutes straight – 
it kind of like gave me this hope of like, okay, we're the best team left. We just go out and play good, which is a big, you never know if you're going to, but like, it's the first final four since 08 where I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm coming. I'm we're showing up to win the whole damn thing. We're not showing up because we're happy to be here. This isn't a, a family reunion. We're not going to be doing all these stories about, I mean, we might, it's still cool to see family show up and see their, their kids and ne- nephews in the, in the final four. But like, now it's like we're not done. And I think that's been the players saying that over and over. Is like we're not done yet. Like we want more trophies. This team is not done. So am I right? Like are we – do we very much – we should be expecting to go in and just play our game. And if we do, we're going to win the national title, right? For sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I, even if you look back at like the locker room videos from 2018 and um, I mean Bill was like crying and like yeah. it almost found – it almost felt like – when they beat Duke, like they accomplish what they want to accomplish. Yeah. And we didn't realize it in time because we're crazy fans and we'll talk ourselves into winning in the game. And we just like, Oh, we'll beat Villanova. And then the other side of the bracket was like kind of awful. And yeah, we can just talk ourselves into it, but it just felt like a whole different attitude and mindset. And maybe it was the fact that we won the game by a hundred points today. Um, yeah. But no, you're a thousand percent right. It doesn't feel like, like I'm still pumped we made a final four, but I'm not like still thinking about it and even me, yeah. Like, the even... job's finished. Like I'm like, okay, well now we got Villanova. Well, who do they have? You know, Moore's out. Let's let's go win two more games and hang another yeah. banner and start thinking about how we're gonna fit six banners in that little window at Allen Fieldhouse compared to five because it looks pretty full. It looks pretty full. <laughs> yeah. It uh, they always find a way. I'm always impressed the way they yeah, can kind of move those out. those jerseys and fit more in there, but yeah, it. Uh, you said it. Like, I'm pumped we made the Final Four, but really I'm just like the sense of relief I feel that we didn't choke in the Elite Eight. And now I think that's kind of the vibe. Like, it was obviously a fun celebration. You got to celebrate it. But it was it was not like the 2018 celebration where, I mean, we beat Duke. We were underdogs. We were – nobody expected us to do it. Whereas today it was like everyone expects you to do it. We delivered – now we're where we wanted to get all year, and now it's our time to just freaking go in and that Bill, we've said it, and it's it's felt like it was so far away. Like you think we when twenty twenty happened, and you see the roster we have coming back that next year. We we tried to talk ourselves in to that lineup, and oh, Marcus Garrett, that's kind of a unique. We've never had this style of point guard. We're so big, we're so long, we're gonna be so good defensively. That was a failure. We knew that team wasn't winning the title. Mm-hmm. And then even this year, at times, me and you were guilty of it. And I think we were right. When Dewan was our point guard, This team, that team probably still could have made a run. But if we were sitting in the Final Four here with just Dewan as our point guard, you're not saying, oh, we're the favorites to win the title. Mm-hmm. Like The reason you can say that is because we have Remy. So Bill Self... Getting his second title has felt to me, even a few months ago, felt like such a long shot. It felt like, oh, okay, this team could maybe do something, but they're probably not going to win a title. And then, then you've got the the FBI stuff, which might get us a postseason ban or get Bill a postseason ban. So now all of a sudden, his next title opportunity is five years down the road. But now, it's two freaking games away. We're four and a half point favorites, right? I don't know what that yeah. line is. So I think it opened at three and a half, and it's bounced between that and four and a half. So. Yeah, we're four and a half point favorites in a Final Four game, a team that just lost their leading scorer, second leading scorer, Justin Moore. Um, 
And then we've got Duke Carolina on the other side, which is terrifying, but it's it's not vintage Duke Carolina. Like these are Duke Carolina teams that are incredibly beatable and teams that we've flat out been better than all season. So there is just if Bill is gonna go get a second title, he's he's got his opportunity. So we we just we gotta go execute. Gotta take advantage of it. They're not easy to come by. We've been, you know, on the bad side of it way too many times. But yeah. I mean, just so much changes with his narrative if he gets it. I don't know. Like I, I heard earlier today this, and I didn't really do the math in my head until I heard this. But last fourteen tournaments, this is his fourth Final Four. Yeah, like that's you'll take that clip almost anywhere. You're making yeah. one one every three and a half years. I mean, think if I mean, we got fourteen more years of Bill, right? Like we'd all be pretty pumped. He coaches to seventy four. Yeah, he gets we get Final four, Fours. We get four more Final Fours in that span. He goes to eight. Like right. And it feels like he could do more than that because he's had so many blown opportunities. So, And you say it all the time. It's like you keep putting yourself in the situation or the position to get good matchups in the tournament, get, you know, favorable draws, whatever it may be. Sometimes it's just going to, you know, break your way and you're going to get it. It's an impossible tournament to win consistently. But it's just something's got to break his way at some point, and this might be the year. We'll find out in nine days from now, I guess, which is just gives me goosebumps thinking about it. But I know. Um, um, but I mean, everything changes, and you know, just get just get one more, and then we can shut people up on Twitter. That ass that's been responding to every single tweet I tweet out. It's like, oh well, UConn blue blood win more than you know, win half as many titles as them. Is that even a UConn shit. fan or is he a K State? No, fan? he's a K State fan. He just likes oh, talking shit. I've yeah. muted him, and he doesn't know that yet. So I'll let him keep talking into thin air. <laughs> <laughs> going crazy but i'll let loose if they get another one so yeah and i and i said earlier like jay wright bill self they're number one and two in my mind starting next season as top coaches in college basketball and i give the edge to jay wright right now yeah. but if bill self gets the title he's now got the same amount of final fours the same amount of national championships more elite eights more wins more conference time tournament champ or more conference championships more conference tournament championships so like there's nothing Bill you could argue will be what there's nothing you could argue to put jay right ahead if yeah Bill would exactly one. bill self will be the best coach in college basketball if he gets an addy and that's how funny this stupid tournament is the narrative because of three games can shift from oh the guy can't win in march to oh this guy's the best coach in college basketball and i want it bill deserves it he can do it. This team can do it. So, yeah, it just comes down to come out, play loose, play. I think there's going to be an element of, like I said, relief. You're here now. Now you're kind of just – I don't want it to feel like you're playing with house money because we're not – like I want them to feel like we're we're not. We need title. But I do think now we're just kind of there. We can relax and just play our game and hope that our game's better than the other two, three teams. But we'll see if that happens. So but. this is a toss-up because it's – and maybe it's not a fair question because it's a longer turnaround time. Do you have any fear that this – you know, we talked about the second half earlier. We could compare it to Purdue a little bit in 2017. Is there any fear of like a letdown coming into the next game like we had with Oregon? I think – I think, I think there's a long week. enough gap. There's a, yeah. almost a full week to where you're, you know, have some time to let that sit and get four or five practices in and yeah. all the media around it to where you'll probably forget about it by the time tip comes. But yep. And I think Oregon was just a tough matchup. And I, I mean, Jordan Bell is tough to prepare for in one day, especially when Landon was just not, he wasn't athlete, it wasn't a good matchup for him. So 
I think, yeah, the week off is going to be huge. Uh, I still think we could say it. Like, Oach had a big second half, but he's still I not. Mean, he's still not doing Oach things. I agree. But when I looked at his stat line after the game, I was blown away with how much I had like misjudged that game. I mean, it's eight was of twelve. It? I think he was three of five from three. Eighteen points, five or six rebounds, four or five assists. Like he, yeah. there were points in that game where he looked like checked out or super tight. He had a couple of really bad turnovers and almost missed that fast break dunk, which was I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. We almost missed two of those in like a two minute span. Yeah. But overall, and you know, I know we're not huge box score guys because there's more to the game than that. But I was kind of surprised with how efficient and you know how That's good true. his numbers actually looked. So. So, yeah, I guess so maybe instead of saying he's still due to get going, maybe it's just, okay, he's back now. Like, mm-hmm. we were worried. He showed today that he can still be the All-American that he is. Um, and so, yeah, I just – I think guys like CB are going to thrive in a stage like this where you're you're in the Superdome. You have – millions of people watching you like that guy lives for something like this and so does Remy and I just hope Oach does too so I think we've got the I think Bill has said it we don't have the most talented team but we think we're the most talented team and that's the thing you need to have in a final four like if this team goes in there thinking we're the best team here they will go win the natty because if they just play to that with that mindset and go hit shots just do what we've done all year to get here, and I like, I really like our chances. Do you, do you have any updated like odds or anything like that uh, for the title or for the yeah, just kind of specifically, uh, just kind of like the title? I'm sure they changed yeah. once UNC beat St. Peter's. So Duke's still the favorite; they're plus one sixty, and we're like right behind them at plus one eighty, uh, and then Villanova's four fifty, and Carolina's uh, five hundred. So. It's it's us and Duke. I mean, if and then they have the exact results here. Duke to beat Kansas is plus three fifty, and Kansas to beat Duke is also plus three fifty. So it sounds like it's pretty much just a toss up, and they think that Carolina is a little bit worse than Villanova, so yeah. Duke has a little bit of a better chance to move on. But and I was talking about this earlier too, just as like a broad Final Four statement. I think, and maybe I'm crazy, but I think you might agree with me because I saw your tweet yesterday. Which I want. I can't wait to quote when we get off this. That when you said we're not going to lose to Nova if we play them, I can't yeah. wait to. Yeah, I'm going to quote it and say I can't wait to watch Ryan talk himself out of this tweet that he had on Saturday afternoon. No, because there's won't. going to be a point where you get terribly nervous and you're sick in the group. Well, chat. I'll be nervous, but like we're beating, <laughs> we're beating Nova. We are. Um, but and I think we're both really confident that we'll beat Nova. I do think that there's a better chance that Carolina beats Duke than Nova beats KU. Maybe that's just me being high on the Hawks right now. I think they've got the same line, right? Four and a half, but or yeah, I can pull up both ways. Current lines, uh, really quick. Yeah, KU's minus four, Duke's minus four and a half, so it's about the same. But I just Carolina's so damn hot right now. We've already seen them beat Duke this year, like pretty handily. And I just, I don't know. I mean, we'll talk about it more later on in the week. But Villanova's only going to have like five. So my buddy Casey texted me this yesterday. Yeah. Going into yesterday, Villanova had six guys on their roster that averaged more than 1.8 points per game. Yeah. And their leading scorer got hurt. He tore his Achilles, and he's obviously not going to play. So they have five dudes on their roster that average more than like a walk-on would. Mm-hmm. How many guys are they possibly going to play? 
And we saw it today. We when we get running, we can run someone out of the gym Dude, and just go yeah. up and down on people. And we're not terribly deep. We've got six or seven guys that can consistently go in, and then we can throw in some junk minutes from J. Cole or KJ came in for 30 seconds and did a job. So big stop, big stop. Right. So yeah. I don't know. I just I just I'm not scared of Villanova like I think Duke might be of North Carolina. I think the biggest thing that's scary about Villanova is just the history. It's not necessarily this vill- – you're not looking at Colin Gillespie and Jermaine Samuels. Those are like – now that Moore's out, those are your guys. Those are the guys that are going to beat us in this game. Now, I think Brandon Slater, lefty, decent shooter, I think he's good. Eric Dixon, Caleb – I mean, they've got guys. But you're not looking down at this roster and seeing a Jalen Brunson and – uh Vivin Chenjo or those guys, the Micah Bridges, Mikhail Bridges. Like you're not seeing those guys. What you're scared of in the last five years. We're scared of Jay Wright, really, is what we're scared of. And it's fair. He's a monster. And he's a handsome devil. Yeah. And I think he has I don't think any coach ever has scouted KU as well as he has. Like I remember that 2016 game. Like it was they had every set we ran perfectly they they prevented everything we wanted to do with it like they were so ready for everything we did so jay Wright's scary this team though gillespie's scary because he's been there a thousand years and he's just solid he doesn't make mistakes but yeah if you if you're going to this final four like terrified of villanova you're crazy because we it's a, it's gonna be a close game it's gonna be a nail biter and we're gonna be nervous but like we are Flat out, just the way the season's gone, we are better than Villanova. So assuming we just – we could. Nerves could get to us, and we could play bad. And Superdome's hard to shoot in. We might not make shots. But, like, if you're just saying both these teams on paper, who's going to win? The Hawks are going to win, and we're going to play on Monday. So, And I'm not, I'm not a Villanova expert. You might know more than I do. But just based off what you said the last few minutes, if you were to draft, say, the top 12 players – Say so the, the five starters and the six man. So for us, our five starters plus Remy. Yeah. And then their five starters plus whoever their six man is. Might be Archie Diakno now. Yeah. When is the last Jayhawk taken? If you were to draft them? Draft them just like snake draft back and forth, one, two. So oh, I would yeah. think Ochai probably goes one, then Gillespie. And then is it a string of Jayhawks after that? Like to me, oh, it's between almost. Between us and, us and Villanova. Us and Villanova, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's. Ochai Gillespie, Brown, Wilson, Remy, or Ochai Gillespie. Maybe it's Remy, Brown, Jalen, Dave, and then Samuels. And then maybe Sam- yeah, Samuels. Yeah, Samuels might so we slip have in, but. Six of the top eight, six of the top nine players. Yeah. And then they yeah. just fill it in. So, I mean, we're definitely the most talented team. Now that it doesn't always win out, but if you have yeah. talent plus at least a break even at coach. Yeah, and you got to feel pretty good, especially. I mean, it's it's one thing to be without your best player, one of your best players for like months, and you're kind of used to dealing with it. I mean, they've played without uh, more for two and a half minutes. I mean, that happened yeah. very late in the game. Yeah. So. Yeah, I uh, I agree. Like the way we're gonna lose this game is by just like our stuff not working and, and things like that. It's not gonna be because they are more talented than us or they. We're not getting blown out. I promise you that. So if you're if you're scared of that because of recent history, we'll be fine. But yeah, it's Final Four. Uh, it's gonna be stressful. But I'm just I'm so excited 
that we're here. We've been begging for this since we started the podcast, and we got it. Um, you got anything else before we wrap up? Just one more point I um, on Villanova, but also as a whole about the KU team. What makes you – and I know we just talked a lot about them, but is it because we've gotten over the Elite Eight hump and out of the region that you're just more comfortable now saying that we're not going to lose to Nova? Because it's like even without more, I'm still – like if they were to play Creighton or Providence, I still am probably going to take Villanova in that matchup. But yeah, you were very nervous going into those games. Was it just like the matter of fact that, okay, pressure's off, we're in the Final Four now, we can kind of play more free, yes. and we're just going to – town's going to show out? Is that all it is, or are you just I, something else coming out for you? Well, I think we – I think that second half was like an awakening for this team. But even I then, they, I mean, you tweeted that yesterday. Before oh, yeah, yeah. And yes, I do think there's an element – you take away I know it's a bad example but 2018 we got smoked but other than that you think 08 North Carolina I felt like kind of similar feel to this team is we just had to get to the final four you just had to get there because you you had Davidson in front of you as a 10 seed you just had to get there because the pressure was on if you didn't it was a massive it was a massive failure now we're here and I think we're just going to come out we're going to play free we're going to play good and when this team plays free we will beat Villanova I just don't know if this team had been playing free against Providence at Creighton because the expectation wasn't the expectation was simply if you lose, it's a meltdown and you'll get laughed at and Bill Self's a choke artist and oh Kansas fails in March again. Whereas now that's not the case. So I think this this team can just play out and go out and be Kansas basketball, which is a really freaking good team. So that's where I'm at. Like it's mm-hmm. it's strictly that. I've just been burned by so many teams losing in elite eights. And I know that there's clearly some sort of, there's a mental thing there that is, that has hurt our teams. And I think it comes with just the pressure of getting there, but now you're there. Now I think you just, you, you play your game and the the best team I feel like normally wins the final four. Yeah. I mean, we see high seeded teams, loyal, I mean, Carolina, even Yeah, none of them. I mean, final four is their peak usually. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we'll wrap it up for now. We will hopefully have B turn back and we'll do a big, uh, we'll probably, we'll do a Villanova preview. We'll dig into them a little more and more storylines, things like that will pop up, but we'll for sure be back uh, this week. It's going to be such a fun with I me. Mean, the best part about final four week is just your Twitter feed is all about Kansas. You're, you're seeing interviews all, all over the place, stories from guys like CJ Moore and Jesse and Matt Tate. Like those guys are putting out great content of stories about players and their family. Final four weeks just so fun and uh, feels great. We're here and uh, it's going to be a great weekend next week. One of the more fun weekends I've looked forward to in a while. So as always, thank you for listening. We'll be back and rock shot. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.